1: Hello and welcome back to the Rocal Report Podcast. Today we have a friend of the show joining us in the studio to discuss his six seasons at the Stadium of Light as opposed to a match review. It's a a first for you. Welcome to the show, Uh, Danny Collins. How are you doing? Thanks very much. I'm good, mate. Yeah. Bit of a change in it discussing your career rather than one -one draw. Yeah, different route today, but we'll see how it goes. eh? Yeah, why not? So I wanted to start off with a, a bit of a trivia for you. So you're probably the most famous Brazilian to have played for Sunderland but who was the last Brazilian to play for Sunderland before you? If um, I know Emerson Tom played for him. Ah, maybe. you got it right. It, yeah. Boom. Yeah. We said he wouldn't get it, uh-huh. but he did. And am we a disappointed. Others, so that quick. Uh-huh. Marcus Di Giuseppe. No. Played a One. trial game against Wolves oh, in 1999 right. 99-2000. <laughs> there we go. A bit of trivia, I'm disappointed you got it that fast. Damn. So, sorry, mate. So, we'll go back to when you first came to the club. Obviously, you were brought in by Mick McCarthy in yeah. a game that I remember being at, an impressive performance against Chester. But uh, Sorry, for Chester against us. But did you feel like at the time when you played that game that the cup competition at the stadium were like, because Chester, I think, had just come up from the conference. Yeah, we had you. Was that like an opportunity for... Did you feel for people to spot you? Did you feel it was like a big arena where you could potentially catch someone's eye, not necessarily McCarthy's, but yeah. someone's. Yeah, definitely. I
2: think um just around that time I, I did get wind that the, I'd been playing well obviously the previous season we mm-hmm. came up, I think we were sort of nine, ten games into the into the next season in League Two. Um I'd had a good start to the season and I'd had rumours that there was one or two clubs having a look and Sunderland were possibly one. Um so obviously, you know, coming up here that night I'm thinking try and go out there and give a good account of yourself and obviously in, in mix size. I, I must have had a half-decent game, and then, as I say, a couple of weeks later, I, I found myself back up here signing for the club.
1: How did you feel your performance was on the night? Did you feel like you did yourself justice? Uh, I think, what was the score? 3-0, I think. Was it 2 or 3-0? Yeah. yeah. I mean, overall, yeah, f- Well,
2: going back a long time now, but um, yeah, I think I'd done okay on the evening, to be fair, um, from what I can remember. Um, perhaps a comfortable 3-0 for Sunderland in a way, but, you know.
1: Looking back, I think I must have done something right to to get the attention of of Mick. You mentioned about how you knew Sunland or a couple of other clubs were interested, but officially you're not you're not meant to know that kind of stuff. No. Um, so I mean, we're talking what 15 years ago now. Something yeah, like 2004. Yeah, 2004. Yeah, spot on. 15 years ago. Yeah. Um,
2: no, I think I, I did because I know <laughs> at Chester's ground it's a yeah. small, obviously a smallest ground, and then I'm going up to the lounge after the game with the families and stuff, and the guy who. Should we say put the, the scouts and, and stuff into the, the director's seats and all that yeah. sort of area in the ground he'd have a chat with me after the game and he said oh, I think obviously someone from so-and-so might have been having a look at you today and I know Sheffield United were, were keen and I think Everton might have been as well so he, he'd used to drop onto me after a game and say "Oh, uh, a couple of clubs were here having a look
1: at you today sort of stuff so you know but. so when it comes to I mean I don't want to blow Sunderland or up or belittle Chester in any way yeah obviously it's a step up yeah, in terms of yeah. everything everything yeah but at the same time we've just been beating the playoffs we didn't have the likes of Phillips and Quinn they'd been gone sort of the season or a season and a half previous yeah. but how did Mick McCarthy sell Sunderland as a project here because obviously you said Sheffield United and Everton, Everton hmm. probably a, a of equal size yeah well I'm just remembering back I think my
2: last game for for Chester on the Saturday was against Macclesfield scored the winner in the 92nd minute 1-0 header off a corner um, I remember getting home that evening and just my agents called me up and said are you up too much this evening I said no not not too much and um, he said well get your stuff sorted and get a few bags packed for tomorrow we're off up to and the deal's been agreed so that was sort of that really up Sunday morning I met my agent we drove up and um, and that was that really uh, but as you say you know you come you come up here you're seeing the, the training ground the stadium and just Everything about the place, really. Obviously, you know, when you're driving around the, the city and everyone's out in their shirt, no matter what day of the week it is, you see enough Sunderland shirts about town yeah. and stuff and you just get the the full vibe of what the place is all about
1: straight away. The thing with, um, with Sunderland as well, now I can't remember who it was who we spoke to, oh, it was Kevin Ball, funnily enough, and he yeah. was speaking about when he when he came up, and obviously everyone's coming to Sunderland has a different story because I don't know if you go to the stadium first than that, yeah. but you spoke about Dennis Smith taking him to, like, certain parts of Sunland and be like this is Sunland sort of right. thing did Mick McCarthy because he struck me as the kind of man that would maybe do that kind of thing um, I,
2: from what I can recall I remember meeting Dave the physio Dave yeah. Um obviously I had to go to the, the hospitals and just do all my medical stuff yeah, yeah. really then down to the training ground first I, and I think went to the stadium last so that was sort of the order which I can remember so we're going back the 15 touch. years now <laughs> Yeah. so yeah off. obviously going down to, to look at the, the stadium alike but um yeah, it was pretty much a quick deal and I think I stayed down in um I think it's the Copthorne in Newcastle. I stayed for yeah, a few weeks when I signed and Darren Carter was in there and somebody else was in there. I can't remember who else was in there. So, three, so they helped me out in terms of getting me way around town and stuff and you know, getting back into to the training ground really to to start off because coming from a little quiet town in North Wales where I'm from, obviously playing for, you know, a smaller club to Chester, it's it is a big step and, and just
1: coming out of your comfort zone really and I had to you know, sort of grow up fast and get used to it. How quickly do you realise like you're in such a bubble? As you said, like I assume Chester's not the same sort of no. bubble as the North East? I I imagine many places aren't. No. Um how quickly does it sort of dawn in you like, oh shit. I'm in this place mm-hmm. where like football is absolutely everything. Yeah. No, it
2: does, yeah, pretty much straight away, really. I so say coming to the driving to the stadium on a match day, really, you know, coming over the bridge and you're seeing the fans and the hordes coming coming over the bridge there to the stadium and then um just when you're out and about round town, really. You know, if you go out for a meal or, you know, a quiet drink or whatever, and there's, there's always Sunderland fans out and about and then they want to have a chat with you and they want to, you know, just sort of make you feel welcome and, and get used to the club. And as, as you say now, you know, it's completely different to, to Chester. I mean, Chester's fan base, probably 3,000, 4,000 maybe back in the day in sort of League Two. Um,
1: coming up here, you know, you, you're 30,000 plus. So it's a, it's a different world. When we're talking about the the Sunderland team, we mentioned before, obviously, that we didn't have the likes of Phillips Quinn and mm-hmm. stuff like that at that point. And we, we did very much have a bunch of either experienced pros yeah. that had been then done that at a decent level or, or young lads, which was like yourself, Liam Lawrence and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But one thing that Mick McCarthy seemed to have built based on previous conversations I've had was a, a team spirit. Yeah, it was. Very much about like people knowing their job, mm-hmm. very much about him being approachable. Yeah. Um, but we had some real characters in the team. We interviewed Jeff Whitley not long ago, who very much a changed man. But yeah. him and Sean Thornton, how did how did Mick McCarthy handle characters like, should we say, the previous characters, say Jeff Whitley and, yeah. and the likes of? Sure, I mean, yeah. how do you describe Sean Thornton? Jeez. Yeah, no, he. Um,
2: yeah, I think with Mick, yeah, he'd um, he'd like to have a laugh and a joke around the training ground. He'd, he'd give lads a certain amount of rope if you like, and then you know at times you'd have to to rein him in, and obviously you know. Whatever club you're at, you would always get one or two characters. And, you know, and say the time I joined the club, obviously Sean, Jeff, uh, Michael Bridges, you know, these type of characters were, were at the club and um, and liked the laughing and the joking stuff. But I think Mick was happy with that in and around the training ground. But once it was time to go out and work on the training pitch for that hour and a half, two hours, then he wanted lads to knuckle down and, and to, you know, obviously to concentrate and, and work towards the, the game ahead at the weekend and what, what the aim was. Do you have any funny memory
1: stories of both Sean doing anything that sticks out? Just, I remember one day we did go, um, we went on a paintballing, like team bonding day. wasn't Chris Brown involved, and in that was it. No, no, no. <laughs> was, good, good, it, good
2: shot. Was, I think he was banned then, yeah. <laughs> um, we were on the bus, and Sean had obviously put on a bit of weight, and a few lads were digging him about his weight, and he must have picked the seat, which was a bit dodgy on the bus. And as he sat down on the seat, the, <laughs> the seats collapsed on the bus, like so everyone was in stitches and that, and started absolutely battering him. You know, just that's one straight away that I remember um, but yeah and obviously you go back to the, the time we got promoted and then he's, he's broke out and he's, he's rapping yeah, Vanilla Ice in the changing rooms and that's a bit cringy Was but, it was uh, it serious? Was that like a serious yeah, I thing? I think because he used to I don't know when you say he used to come in his basketball vest and his caps backwards you know just the character he was and he used to Fred Durst. like the you know the rap music and all that and then obviously he knew the Vanilla Ice um, the rap so the lads were egging him on a bit after the game, and then you know he doesn't take too much encouragement, and yeah. it was just spotlight on him on it really. So he uh, he he took the reins and cracked on with it.
1: Good player as well.
2: Yeah, he, he did have good ability to be fair. Yeah, just perhaps could have done with the attitude to go with it at times, yeah. and you know um, I'm sure he'll admit it himself. He could have progressed better in his career than what you know the career he had after that really. But he certainly had the ability.
1: Yeah, yeah. no, hundred percent. I remember thinking he'd be really, really good mm-hmm. when he first came through, yeah. but. I think, as you said, attitude, which I don't want to comment on because I don't know him, but no. it's, obviously something wasn't quite right there. Um, looking at, obviously, that season in particular as well, I think you know we have touched on the characters in the team and what Mick McCarthy wanted to build. But when you look through the team, especially when you see how much we struggled the season later, there was lesser known names there. There wasn't any big, massive names. I mean, if you go yeah. through the team, those people that went on to have good careers, but at that point, they weren't. Yeah. Do you ever feel like Mick McCarthy wasn't given the credit he really deserved for getting that team promoted because he didn't splash any cash he didn't bring in any big names yeah. and he got us from a really low ebb of 19, a 19 point season and he got us up almost in the, the first season and then he got us up the second season quite comfortably yeah yeah, I think obviously the the the, fir- the, the year I joined um,
2: you mentioned there there was there was a lot of myself Liam um, Dean Whitehead we come in from League 2 clubs and then Marcus Stewart, you know, good experience, pro yeah. knew the ropes and Gary Breen, um, obviously Stevie Caldwell, younger but good experience. So we had Carl Robinson, these type of lads, you know, good spine yeah. to the team with a few other younger lads um, coming into, you know, a big learning curve and you had to, you had to hit the ground running. Um, and so thankfully that first year bonded well and, you know, we gelled and, and managed to get over the line and get up. Um, then obviously we go into the Premier League and, I, you know, I think everyone sort of knows that Mick didn't really get too much to spend, I think. Might have brought, did Steady come in that year and Andy John great, maybe, um oh, God, Didn't, don't you know, did, no, no, it didn't happen for <laughs> Steady early on. He didn't get, a, you know, a goal for the first 20 odd games, did yeah. he? So we were up against it, yeah. And, and obviously obviously, um, you know, for myself and, you know, I there, the likes of Liam and Dino, and um, it was new for us to go straight into the Premier League, really. And it was a big learning curve for us. And uh, um, unfortunately, uh, we we got relegated.
1: It must have been. Because when you, you've you gone from Chester, you, and I think we were third when you came in, around, around that. Yeah, somewhere. third or fourth, yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, and when when you came in, obviously you got in a, a team that was playing top end of the championship, mm-hmm. won the league, really good team spirit, everything was positive, a manager that you obviously had respect for and everyone liked, yeah. and I think everyone had respect for, everything's perfect, it must feel like an absolute dream move, you're even learning a new position, he places mm-hmm. you at left back a little yeah. bit, you're getting in and out of the team, you're playing alongside experienced pros like Gary Breen, mm-hmm. Everything sounds hunky dory. Yeah. So when it goes into that Premier League season, um, I think as a fan, it was it was draining as a fan. Yeah. Um, and I think a few players have touched on it. And as fans, we have as well. We never really got battered. So yeah, it wasn't that's, like we that's, ever, that's the annoying thing. Yeah, just as you, I've just I've just to trashed. say the same.
2: Don't really remember us ever getting any four or five nil hidings. No. I think it was always the one nils and two, two ones, one, and that was the annoying two. thing. You know, it was just. But you're losing regularly, and it it snowballs from
1: from there, really. So it was never like a lack of effort, and I think everyone yeah. from memory would probably it, whenever you discuss anyone that was lack of quality it was never to do lack of effort. Mm. But I think there's a lot made about footballers' mental state these days as well, and a lot of things can affect a mental state. But when you're getting battered like that mm. every single week in a, a well, not battered, getting yeah. beat, sorry, yeah, and in a a bubble like the northeast where like. I think social media was starting to come to then and we were like the butt of everyone's joke. Mm-hmm. How does that take a toll on you um, or as a team or as an individual mentally? Like how yeah. do you deal with that?
2: It is tough, you know, you can't get away from it if you like, you know, as, as we mentioned at the start there, yeah, you're in a bubble if you're like, you know, you're out and about. I mean, I was out, I've I think I went to B and Q one day and I've I've walked in down one of the aisles and then this guy's walked past me, didn't say nothing to my face, got thirty yards past me, and then he's turned around and he said, Shouldn't you be down the training ground working harder? Do you know what I mean? Just just these little things. But when you're younger, you probably do take that to heart more. But the older you get, you learn to grow thick skin, and you you know you have to sort of shake these type of things off. And at the end of the day, everyone wanted the same thing. You know, we wanted to do well. We wanted you know for Sunderland to do well and to be in the top half of the table. It wasn't going well, but you know you're picking newspapers up as you say. There, the media was starting to get bigger, and you know you see and hear everything that's being said. It's not nice, but Again, football is a an industry you're in where you've got to have a thick skin, and if you haven't got that thick skin, then you're not going to survive. Was it tough to go out
1: on a Saturday at that season? It, it was, yeah. You know,
2: I mean, I was what would I have been, twenty five, twenty six ish, so mid mid twenties. But you know, if if I did go out with a couple of the boys and that, <clears throat> you you would get comments and you get stuff said to you and that, but you have to take it, you know you. I don't. I don't mind standing and having a chat with fans if they want to stand and have a a reasonable chat with you. Not someone who's twenty pints deep and want to stand there hurling abuse at you. You know, you tend to want to walk on past them, don't you? But again, as I say, you know, you have to when you wear the badge of Sunderland, you have to sort of burden this um, expectation really, and what the fans expect from you. And you know, at that at that time, it wasn't going to plan. But thankfully, we we came back the next year and we got back up again.
1: Talking about players from that. Particular the period, there's one that sticks out in my mind, and I don't like to push my agenda on this podcast, as we all know, which is a lie. Um, but Stubbsy drives me nuts. I've, Alan, I've, I've never liked Alan Stubbs. Alan Stubbs, yeah, right. okay. Now I don't know whether you remember it, and I mm. can't quite remember whether you were playing or whether you were on the bench that day. But right. played Everton, I think it was New Year's Day or New Year's Eve. Home Tim Cahill's away. home, home. Tim Cahill scores in the last minute. Yeah, he allegedly. I wasn't there; I didn't see right. it. okay. But many have jumps up when Everton score, as he was on our bench, goes to Everton two days later. So I suppose the question mm. I'll ask, how how was Alan Stubbs in the dressing room? Was, did he bring the experience that you wanted or expected us for uh, yeah. uh, him to bring to us? I think he was quite, from what I remember,
2: again, we're going back now, but I remember Stubbs, he was quite quiet, I think. Um, not really a ranter and raver, from what I remember. Um, I think he, the game I can remember, he scored down at Highbury, I think. I think that was my my yeah, debut yeah. in the Premier. I think we lost 3-1 or 3-2. 3-1. Three, three one three bomb, yeah. was it, yeah. But he scored that day, I think. I just remember him playing in that one. But um I've spoke to lads who I know who've played under him. I think he, obviously at Rotherham he had a stint as the gaffer at Rotherham a couple yes. of years back. Um and again I think you was associating with perhaps being a bit of a sort of leader, quite, you know, vocal and stuff. Yeah, but from what, what they said he was quite ball. a quietish guy really and he didn't have you know, too many bollocks in him as a manager type of stuff. But yeah. I, I've played with other managers where you would expect them to be quite, you know, vocal and stuff, but they're not. So, you know, characters are different to what they're perceived.
1: Yeah, because it was. I was just saying there before we expected him to be like the Steve Ball type that mm. came in. I don't know whether you remember. Yeah, that Yeah, I remember he, him. Yeah, like but Baldy coming in and stuff yeah. like that was like the experienced head, and I was more thinking like you at that point yeah. were centre off yeah. primarily, and, and I think Neil Collins was there as well. The Neil time. was in one of yeah. Um, and I suppose you'd expect someone like Alan Stubbs coming in would be like quite a big thing for you. Yeah, um, yeah, no, yeah, certainly for, for
2: his time at Everton
1: as well yeah. before then as well, yeah. But no, I, I, I
2: can't, i say we're going back a while but I can't remember anything that sticks out towards yeah. what you're suggesting. But um, no, I, th- I just remember him being, I think, being quite quiet. I think Breeny was more of that type. I think Breeny yeah. was obviously a skipper when I came in that first season. He was good with the younger lads. He liked to have a bit of a laugh and a joke with the boys but again, when, when it was time to go out on the training ground and work
1: and, and you know, Bruni had get into the boys, and it's got to it's got to be like that, really. I think when it comes to that season, we spoke about um, sort of team spirit a lot, and I think you know I've spoken to a few lads, you know yourself, Neil Collins, Dean Whitehead, Darren Ward, um, and there is a certain character um, from that sort of period. Yeah. I think I mentioned Darren Ward there, but Darren Ward was later, sorry, but there was a a good core of people there that obviously all got on. But yeah. I think when the season came along, not only did we not have enough money, you had the likes of. Um, Anthony Letalic came in and stuff like that. Was there any, uh, I'll maybe use him as a, a yardstick, but was there any certain players that came in that did affect that as well outside of the quality? was the players that just didn't quite get Sunderland. Um, from
2: that time yeah funny I was just going to say Latalic as well really I just didn't think he took to it I think obviously he was at Liverpool um, I'm not sure whether he thought he was too big to come down here yeah. do you know what I mean he just he wasn't our cup of tea I think he liked the football lifestyle without thinking he could have to come down here and work hard and put the effort in for the club and Mick could probably say the same I think you know it was, yeah. he just wasn't a Sunderland type of player really Um can't remember any. I think obviously you've got the likes of Chimbonder and Jeef and them came after under under yeah. Royd and they later on. You but had like
1: Basila and that around that year. Oh
2: yeah, yeah he wasn't too bad to be fair. He'd um, he'd try and mix with the boys and you know work work harder in training and stuff. Really, yeah. But not uh, too
1: uh, many problems. Not
2: no, not really. No, I say we had a good core of good lads, as, yeah. you, as you mentioned. You know, Andy Welsh as well. Really, he was a good lad. Great lad. Yeah, man. you know Welshie. Really yeah. Lad. Um, so the, I, I always think you, you you are you need a good core of good British lads, really, you know, and then you can add one or two foreigners into the squad and and, and see how it goes, really. And they they've got to be willing to to mix in and, and to you know obviously learn the language and and
1: have that banter with the boys as well, really. Yeah. Unfortunately, Mick went, and I think you. Can... <laughs> this season didn't go too well but I yeah. still feel looking back just as a fan it was probably a bit unfair mm. uh, what what could he do really I don't think anyone could have took over and made a difference Um, but then now now Quinn came in near the end of the season um, sort of bought the club yeah. so it was weird I think we played Arsenal last game of the season and we were well relegated and we got beat right. 4-0 but everyone was I think we we'd sold like 40-odd thousand tickets. Right, uh. Everyone was quite happy because we knew Quinny was there, we knew something was happening, <laughs> yeah. Bob Murray was gone, Quinny was going to come in. Yeah, And I think Quinny had the odd sound by coming here and there. But when the season actually started, obviously Roy Keane wasn't there originally. Um, and we absolutely struggled like anything. I went in the first five games. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. I still haven't, forgive you for Plymouth yet. <laughs> um, but how low and ebb was the club at?
2: Yeah, it was. I mean, obviously Quinny took over um, with Bobby... Who did he have? It? Bobby Saxon. Bobby Saxon that that's goal? right. Yeah, Bobby yeah. coming, yeah. So the two of them on the training ground. Quinny will be the first to admit it perhaps wasn't his his cup of tea being a, a, a gaffer, but um it just, you know, I think as you mentioned, first five or six games we we were struggling down the bottom of the table, weren't we? And um it wasn't and we lost all the games, yeah not Wasn't going with Drew One if we were lucky, I think, didn't we? Um so Quinny obviously stepped aside and and brought Roy in. Um and then there was a quick turnover of players coming in, you know, we brought a lot of lads in sort of who we knew really I think obviously Liam Miller Ross Wallace from, from his Celtic days um, Johnny Evans you know Danny Simpson just boys who we knew and Graham Kavanagh as well you know these lads Kavner, came in yeah, and and we we sort of turned it around quick See, I think obviously that can go one or two ways really you look at you know some clubs who bring nine, ten players in they don't gel they need more time this comes out and then it doesn't work but thankfully for us it, we sort of settled down quick. lads got to know each other well and and we kicked on and went on a good run.
1: What was there? Uh, because we remember Bobby Saxon really well, and I kind of forget that he came back temporarily mm-hmm. in that sort of small period. And he's one of the best characters. Yeah, that Sunderland have ever had, especially in my lifetime, probably of, of all time. But do you have any good memories of Bobby Saxon? How did you find him? Just,
2: just, oh, just on the training ground, really. I can't remember. I can't remember anything specifically, but just the type of character he was. He, he seems like a a good number two or a good member of the coaching staff to have yeah. really, you know, likes a bit of a laugh and a joke with the boys and then obviously dishes the odd bollocking out really. But uh <laughs> you know, sort of good cop, bad cop he'd be the he'd yeah. be the good cop, you know, you could have a, a laugh and a joke with.
1: But uh
0: yeah, I, I
2: say he was only in
1: what was it, four or five games five really games, early yeah. on and then yeah. One thing I wanted to touch on before we go into the the Roy Keane years, which are obviously a lot more positive. Yeah. and um, probably a place that you'd you you do not want to go, but we've mentioned it a touch, the Plymouth game. Yeah. I remember it really well. I've got and a yeah. kind of weird memory for stuff like that. Nice. And well, I remember going up and we scored really early in the game. Right. But and I think it's it's probably <clears> interlines in what what we have at the moment. Yeah. And and how the, the team sometimes plays at home and how we can sometimes struggle. You made that mistake, which was, I think we've spoke about it before. It was a bad right, mistake. Right. Um, and it was what it was, and we weren't going to good form. No one was playing yeah. particularly well. But you were the one that got the right. would have got the vitriol that season. Right. The stadium light's a brilliant place to play. Sonnen's a great place yeah. to play. And I think Kevin Phillips famously said, things are going well, best place to play. Not going well, yeah. worst place to play, or something to that effect. Yeah. How lonely can the stadium yeah. light like be when you make a mistake like that? Well,
2: it is really. I mean, it's, I guess it'd be like... You know, city player playing at the Etihad, you make a bad mistake for you've you got fifty odd thousand people just looking down at you, and you, you know you want the ground to sort of swallow you up, really. But again, going back to it before, when you're younger, and when I'm obviously at that time, you let it affect you. For you know, if I made a mistake on a Saturday, you're probably Tuesday, Wednesday, you're still dwelling on that mistake, really, and going over it in your head. The older you get, if you've made a mistake when you're thirties, thirties plus, you tend to let it go easier, yeah. and. You know, you think, right, it's happened now. I can't do nothing about that. Let's get ready, get focused. We're training tomorrow. Let's get ready for the next game and try and put it right. And and that's what you do. But yeah, you know, Kev's right what he's saying. I think we've actually had this discussion. I won't name the player who said, but we stood with Mick. We trained at the stadium because we were having a bad time there. So I think Mick actually got us to go. We'll do a few sessions at the stadium. We trained out there just to try and get the lads used to playing in there, if you like. Um, and we stood there and he said, what is it, lads? How, we seem to be doing okay on the road, but what is it what, in this place where it's not quite happening for us? And then the lad who spoke up said, it's this. It, meaning, you know, the first 10, 15 minutes, yeah. if you're not at it, then the crowd can get on. A few lads tend to go into their shells. And you just, you know, you have to you have to grow into playing in the stadium, really. And obviously, I've, I've been watching games this season and I can see the same type of thing. Like, I can imagine that, Ninety percent of managers that come up here with their teams will say, Coming up here, lads, big expectation from the home fans. If we can keep them quiet, you know, play on the front foot and, you know, dominate possession early on, the crowd will get restless and and you know, get on their backs and they'll they'll start to, you know, make mistakes and stuff. And that's what the majority of teams coming up here will will look to do. Roy
1: Keane came in and we know things had changed. Um I think we all know what he did. You brought in standards and stuff like that. Yeah. What was it about Roy Keane, though, as a, a coach that improved the team as well? Because we all talk about his, his aura, but mm-hmm. what was it about his coaches? His, his work on shape and stuff like that? Was there anything in particular yeah. that he changed? I wouldn't
2: say Roy was full-on hands-on on the training pitch as much. I think he left at Tony, Tony, Tony Laughlin. Yeah, yeah, he was obviously at Burnley now with Sean Dyche, but Tony was great. A lot of, uh, Tony loved coaching. Um, Keane as must have win, lose or draw, Tony would be First one out there, excited to get on with the session, the type of guy you, you want on the training pitch. And he, Roy would watch a lot of sessions, you know what I mean? So the lads knew, knew he's there, knew he's watching and, and taking note of the session. A lot of managers, I guess, like to it. I've played with managers, you know, who like to be full on hands on and doing everything themselves. And they've got their assistants collecting the cones and pumping the balls up, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But Roy would. At the training, I remember a lot of times he'd stand on the bank there and get a good view from up on the bank watching the sessions and stuff and and then come down and say his piece after. He he did obviously join in a few times. I think he used to like the the little rondos, the little boxes before training and I think he the young V old used to have a fr- like a Friday young V old five aside and he, he obviously I think his team got battered one day and I think he said, Right, that's it, I'm not playing anymore. So he'd come out of there. But um, I think it was just his aura and his, his character around the training pitch which was enough for the stands of the training session to be to be up there
1: Is there something to be said by the fact that although he had no managerial experience beforehand mm. the fact that he'd won everything yeah. pretty much um, I mean not the World Cup obviously he's, he's Irish so he yeah. doesn't stand a great chance of that mm-hmm. Um but when it comes to like the fact that he won everything, was it almost like that made up for his lack of managerial experience? That like you thought, well, he's done it. He's yeah. like a leader at Manchester United. He knows who he's done. I'm going to take that on board and listen to it. Yeah, I think I think you do. I think as a player, you have to respect the career he had as a player
2: himself, really. Um, I've, I've played with other managers who've been top players. Ian Rush, for instance, was my manager at Chester, you see. Ah, okay. Obviously a great player. Yeah, very good player what wasn't great as a manager I think that was his first job coming in at Chester it wasn't really great it left a lot of it to his assistant manager Um, so it doesn't always work like that in terms of a good player doesn't always become a good manager but I thought with Roy I mean I got on great with him in my time there you know uh, played a lot of games under him and I think he's with his character I think he puts on a bit of a persona for the public if you like you know behind closed doors around the training ground on the bus he likes to laugh, you know, you see, I think, obviously watched the, the documentary done the other week with Gary Neville, that off the ball. Oh, was brilliant. It's was good, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, you see on there, he has got a good dry banter about him and it's just it's the a way t- comedian, tells his joke. Yeah. yeah, so he did have that about him but I think just by, when we got to the hotels and the autograph hunters were about and these type of guys who he wasn't obviously too fond of, he'd he'd switch it on and become Roy Keane that
1: everybody knows if you know what I mean. Nairon told us that story about uh, when a kid was asking for his um, autograph. At the, a- at the airport I think it was right it. go on go on say if I remember mm-hmm. this one. some kid came up eight year old and I think the granddad or the dad was yeah. like oh will you sign there like, will you sign this he's a big Man United <laughs> fan I don't even
0: think I don't even think he, he, he realised I was like private webcam at the back obviously we had <laughs> lost the, we had lost the game and we was at the airport flying back and there was an old an old fella and he's I think it might have either been his son or his um, grandson and they were waiting patiently you could see they were just waiting to obviously asked for Roy for a signature, and I was thinking, in my head, I don't think they're going to get any joy here, but we'll wait and see. And the old man's come over, like, we was queuing up, and the old man's come over, and he's asked for well, Roy, can I, can I please get your um, signature? it would be much appreciated, and he's just turned around bluntly and just gone, no, like, very abrupt, no. And I was like, and that's that then. But the persistence of the guy, who's like, all right, let me wait, maybe we'll carry on. So he's gone back to him, said, no, please, obviously, it's for, for my grandson, you know, he's here and it would be much appreciated if you could... No, very blunt, no, I said, no, that's it, and i leave it there, turned back. So obviously, queue up, just kept it moving. I was like, he's, he's so harsh, but he's right in it, what can you say? And then finally the geezers come back again for a third time. I was thinking, boy, it's either he's going to get explosive right or that you know the gaffer's going to give him and say, All right, look, I'll, yeah, have it go away. Mate told him to basically, No, I'm not signing it, just leave it be. And the boy started like tearing up and he's gone to, he's gone to the little boy. I basically like, Don't cry, what are you crying for? Like, you know, sometimes these things happen. <laughs> I think we were in, we got on a lift actually
2: on one away trip and obviously I was in there myself and a couple of the other boys and, and Roy was in there and the autograph hunters you know that come with the books yeah. and all this they wanted him signing so they've held the doors open and we'd been on a long bus journey you get to the hotel so he's obviously a bit tired or whatever but these guys come in and <clears throat> obviously he's got a couple of books out hasn't he but I think yeah. someone else has obviously wrote books on his behalf shall we say which aren't legit books or whatever so Roy's obviously gone listen I'm not signing that one that isn't my book I'm not signing that one either that's not my book but I'll sign that one there. That one's my book.
1: <laughs> do you know what I mean? Just little, little things like that. Though, it? Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Sets his standards and keeps them. Yeah. Obviously, Roy did really well with us, I think, for all the first couple of seasons. Yeah, we know how things went mm-hmm. after that. But the, the big pullout for me, um, which I think we kind of forget about because we beat them so often when we play them these days, but you're part of the team playing at centre off um, that finally broke the Newcastle who do at home when we beat them 2-1. Yeah. Yeah, um, I remember the game myself clear as day really and never felt like we wouldn't win. Mm-hmm. Um but what was A, what were your memories of that day? And and B, did Roy do anything different? And C, you had the likes of Chimbonda, Jufe and CC in the team that day. CC played great actually. Yeah. Did players like that get it? Yeah, yeah, I think they did. Yeah. They
2: these these type of lads would I don't know. They're just different. I mean, every character is different. Whatever club I've been at, you always get your different characters. You get lads who want to go out and train like they play. You get some lads who want to try and coast through training Monday till Thursday maybe and then try and turn on a Friday. But you have to try and accept these lads. I I mean, I I go out on a train, I I hate losing five-a-sides. If I was out there, I'd get a sulk on if I lost a five-a-side type of thing. But you get other lads who wouldn't be too bothered about it. Um, And you know think they could just go and do it on a Saturday so you have to try and take take these lads into the into the squad Jim Butler being the prime example really I remember I had a bit of a ding dong with him on the on the training ground one day where we were having 11v11 11 11 and we had an attacking corner and he was 20 yards that side of me and obviously they broke on us so I'm running back I've, I've actually ran past him getting back to try and get in and make a tackle and that and he's just like jogging back you know cantering back so I've had a few words with him say any chance you livening the f- cup this morning like you know just these type of things yeah. but Come come the derby day, and of course they know what it's. About. and the likes of say, he wants to be the big standout, Ibrahimovic type of character, doesn't he? Get yeah. the winning goal, and that type of stuff. And I think he scored the. Did he score the first he goal? With Steed's yeah. Steed's cross it's, shot. We'll
1: see cross. He'll tell you. It's, he'll tell you <laughs> he
2: picked him up with a good cross. When he yeah, um, and then he sort of slid in didn't he and poked it in. But yeah. and he scored at Saint James's as well didn't he? He did I think one.
1: So. Yeah, there you go. That answers your question. Really, in was every he derby for... he's played in it? I think up until that point, actually, for every club he played for, right, which is a lot. I think yeah, about yeah. His character. No, but to be fair, out of the
2: three of them, Juve, C, and and there, I'd say Gibral did train well yeah. as well. Um, he, don't get me wrong, he was a bit of a character off the pitch with forty odd cars and his, his outrageous tracksuits and all that. But he did train well. To be fair to him, um, and as you say, you know, come Derby Day, he was obviously up for it. You know, scoring a couple in there, but. Who
1: had the worst dress sense, jufee or CC? Because I heard Jufi used to come in with like medallions and yeah,
2: them. I know he did. He'd come in like some eighties rapper or something. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's a toss up between the two of them. I think yeah, Pascal wasn't really into the the mad clothes and that.
1: But Just like these braids, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, was, you remember that session? Have you heard that Bardo one well? about when he headed? We he refused to head the ball.
2: Yeah, I think Ricky was in charge then, and He's we were doing some braids, defensive yeah. work, and he refused to come. Head some. we were doing a heading session of crossing and finishing, whatever it was. And sorry, gaffer. Can't head the ball this morning. What are you on about? um, I've had my hair braided yesterday. It's it's a bit tender on my forehead
1: and that like so. <laughs> Ricky just stood there and shook his head looking at him, like <laughs> you know. So Yeah. We spoke to Bardo about that, and Bardo was just like, Oh, you know, I just said, oh, I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm gonna get in ahead of him. Was Bardo a little bit more animated than that? he, he could be Bardo, yeah.
2: Yeah. Um fiery character. But one one you'd one on your team. Absolutely. Derby Day, especially, like
1: yeah. That season obviously was a Bit of a struggle in the end, one draw. you went, I think Ricky started all right, and then it kind of, I think the characters might have got better. Of him. That's how I interpreted yeah, it. Yeah, I think
2: Ricky Ricky was a good coach again, going back to what we said previously. Um, I don't think Ricky probably same, I don't think he's a number, a gaffer. Do you know what I mean? He's a great coach, he likes the laugh and the joke with the boys. But, um, no, how many games were left when he took over?
1: Was it? He came in like December time, did he? Yeah, right. but he won it, You won a couple of games, yeah, and
2: then... yeah.
1: I remember, yeah, I think
2: we, I think we did. We, with Arsenal, I think we drew at Arsenal, it was a game away, and then we went on. It. He took us on a four day break to Spain or something, I remember that. But um, yeah, no, great bloke. I think I bumped into him about a year ago, actually, in the dentist. Um, I've seen him for a few <laughs> yeah. years, Strangers You Like, but he was in the dentist there, so I had a catch up. I think he was doing Scotland in the 21s yeah. or something at the time. Um,
1: but a great bloke, yeah. I think he's still there, actually. Is he? I think he's still there, yeah. Um, one of his games, or the only derby game that he took charge of, was a, a 1 1 draw. I think uh, Ami Obi scored the penalty, I think. Was it away? away yeah, yeah. was that worked.
2: when I tell you, uh, Steve Malbron tangled with well tangled with Stephen Taylor threw himself over in the box and they
1: got the penalty I think yes it I'm was i sure it was I think so. yes, it pad. was oh, no no I tell a lie it wasn't it was the it was the one where because the leads into the question actually oh, right, Michael God. Chopra oh well, you know, when you, he missed you are, are you sure that wasn't the theme? Yeah. Could have been. Actually, you might be right.
2: I could I, be wrong. I think 1 1. I've played in that one it was 1 Yeah, and they got a penalty. We were 1 0 up when we early on. That's right.
1: CC scored. It was that game, same it game. It was that, yes, yeah. And then they game. got the
2: penalty 20 minutes to go, maybe or something.
1: And then we went clean to and go 5 minutes to go. And I
2: can't, I can't remember that incident either. I'll have to see this back because you've asked me about this a few times. I have,
1: haven't I? Yeah. yeah now, but, I, got, I got Carlos Edwards in, right? Yeah. And I did a talk in with Carlos Edwards yep. at the, the fan museum. I asked him a straightforward question, and everyone I've ever spoken to has always said, no, he didn't miss on purpose, including mm. Michael Chopra himself, yeah. who yeah. for all of his able is actually not a bad lad. Mm-hmm. I asked Carlos Edwards and Carlos Edwards immediately went, yeah, of course he missed on purpose. He knew he couldn't go back home if he if he missed that. What's your thoughts on it? No, nah, I mean, was Carlos joking when he said it type of thing? It was he serious? He's, he's like, had a few beers. All right, okay. <laughs> yeah. I think the only person
2: who would know that is Michael Chopra. But yeah. no, I know what the lad's like and he loves scoring goals. And I don't... Think you've got that time on the pitch whenever? Oh, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss this so I can go. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah. no. Nah, I just did he. Well, did he just put it past the post? Did he? I can't remember he, it. He, Was it one on one? He, he slot it past the
1: post. Torpedoed the ball with Kenwyn Jones' knee. Right. He, he could have. Could he have shot himself there? Yeah. Right. He he put it down to he put it down to confidence. Yeah. He said he he'd not been in the team very much. Right. He came on. It yeah, was yeah, a pressure yeah. moment. He said if it was the season previous he would have put it in. I.e. Right. For example, well, he hit the I think he hit the crossbar the season beforehand at home. Right he worked as bollocks have to try and score. So I suppose there's an element of truth to it. But the the reason I asked, and yeah. I think we've discussed it before, there was a huge rumour that you were the one that like immediately we... went for him. Oh, right. So what? can we dispel that rumour? <laughs> well perhaps I did it. I might have said, canell <laughs> chops, why didn't you shoot you know yeah.
2: something like it Depends how you think. I can't remember gripping him or anything like that, but we might have had a few words or something. Why haven't you shot yourself or something like that? But yeah. I think if you ask most strikers, um they're gonna wanna, you know, score and well, say so be the hero. I know what you're saying. He's obviously yeah. from Newcastle and that, but I just don't think as a as a striker that the first thought I think is
1: scoring a goal. You know, yeah. Um, but only chops knows at the end of the day, I suppose. So moving on, sort of from that, I think obviously we did we did fairly well in staying up, in the sense, yeah. although it was kind of other people's feelings really. But then then Steve Bruce came in and obviously manager in Newcastle now so you can see whatever you like about him but he he came in and immediately made you his captain all the way through pre-season all through the first few games and then sold you yeah do do you still have a bit of a a sour taste when it comes to Steve Booth yeah Steve Booth Never spoken to him since I've never no not since the the last day I spoke to him was the game at Stoke
2: where obviously I signed for Stoke two days after we we played him didn't we yeah yeah. but no um, I'm not going to say anything bad about him you know managers and they do what they have to do in terms of players on and on but yeah, going back to your point, was it a bit of a strange one? Of course it was because we'd gone to the Amsterdam tournament, I think, in the summer, haven't we? Yeah. You know? Um you made me you know, pull me aside there, you'd be the captain, you know, done all that business, we came back here. And yeah, straight into the straight into the start of the season. We we win the first two of the first three games and then you know, he he pulls me in for a chat after you know picking up six points out of nine. Your captain of the club. I think we, as I say, we, I think we just beat Blackburn two-one on the Saturday at home. Yeah, and Bolton. I think we only got beat off Chelsea. Yeah, so we, you know, six points out. Your first nine points in the Premier League is not to be sniffed at really. And obviously, captain of the the club, loving it up here. You know, going to my fifth season whatever. And he pulls me in Tuesday or the Wednesday. Just says, "Look, uh, I know you've I know you've done great for the club um, last few years, but." Um, I'm looking at bringing some more defenders in, and I can't guarantee, you know, get these boys in that you'll be playing every week. And I'd had, I've had Tony Pulis on the phone down at Stoke asking about you. So I'm going to put you on the bench at the weekend, which was a strange one, you know. Hold on, you know, just, just played 90 minutes there. We just, you know, on a bit of a high six points, and then I'm, I'm being put on the bench. So, you know, if you want to stay down after the game, have a chat with Tony, you can do. And, and, that was it really I've gone home a bit obviously a bit disappointed and thinking well you know where do I lie I spoke to my agent went to the game I was obviously on the bench um, it was the end of August so the window was closing a few days after and stayed down with my agent on the Sunday Monday and that was it then I signed for signed for Stoke on the Monday on the deadline day and all came a bit th- you know thick and fast really and looking back at it I mean, I'm not going to say anything bad about Steve Bruce at the end of the day it's you know it's his opinion if, if he wanted to get other lads in who he you know Preferring other players where he thought it could do a better job. Fair enough, but from um, my person, you know, I, me my missus was from up here. I was settled, and you know, not long moving to my new house, and it was just a bit, a bit strange. You know, if I was one of his lads who was on the bench, or you know, not even getting kitted up on the
1: Saturday, you'd say fair enough. But it was just, just a bit strange, really. Yeah. So onto easier stuff. I haven't done this for a while. I don't think I've done it with you yet. But from the time that you spent at Sunderland in your six seasons, pick your five-a-side Sunderland team.
2: Five sides Sunland team, right, okay. In goal, um, from my time at the club, I'd probably go Darren Ward in goal. Uh, obviously played in the, the season we went up, I think, under Roy, wasn't it? Good lad as well. Good lad, good keeper. Um, I'd go with Wardy in goal. Um at the back, I'm gonna put myself in or am I just going with five people who I put What makes it more interesting? I'm gonna I'm gonna say leave yourself out. Leave myself out, okay, yeah. So I'm going to go with a 2-1-1 formation, okay? 2-1-1, all I think right. we after 2-1-1. Defensive. I'm going to go at the back. I'll go with Johnny Evans. Good shout. I'm going to go Johnny Evans and Phil Bardsley. Bit of a combo there. Johnny, a bit silkier on the ball and Phil can leave a foot in when, yeah. jo- when Johnny goes on a little mazy run forward. Um, Centre mid, I'm going to go Steed Malbrung. Good shout. Good shout. <clears throat> Especially in a five-a-side. And up front... Um, I would either go. I might be too many people's line but probably Chops, Michael Chopra, in terms of finishing, oh. or or Darren Bent. Oh God, yeah. Darren Bent.
1: We'll go Darren Bent then, yeah. Oh, I don't know if I want you to go for either. I'm hope I was hoping for Kenwin but I suppose no, not Kenwyn's no. not a
2: five-a-side player, is he? Come on.
1: Well, you he could you could move him to centre half as well, you know, well though. I'll put him on the bench, then yeah. Have him first. Stick him on the bench. All yeah. right. Okay. Thanks very much. Okay. Mate. Appreciate it. enjoy it, mate. Thanks. Oh, I don't know yeah. if I can allow you to have chop with him. makes him as bad as he is, but. we'll go Darren Ben then. We'll go Darren Ben.